Welcome to the 107th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. I'm delighted to announce that we've smashed through 100,000 downloads and the podcasts are now being showcased with excerpts of the shows live on the official Wolves radio station that streams 24-7. We've still got our charity collaborations running too with the Wolf Whistle Tipple, which is available from Reeking Spirit and Wet Your Wolf Whistle. Whistle, but easy for me to say, which is still available from the Green Duck Brewery, raising money for the 1P36 Family Trust. So, we're delighted to be joined today by a defender, three games on loan for the Wolves in 1998, a Scottish right-back, Stephen Wright. Stephen, how are you, my friend? Hi, Jason. I'm very good, thanks. Very good. good. Good, good, good. Now, we had a, a brief chat off air and you said you was quite embarrassed that I'd ask you to, to come on the podcast. And I, I did quell those fears by saying that I've interviewed players who literally played 10 minutes for the club. So you're more than welcome to come on the podcast, Stephen. No, I appreciate that, Jason. I appreciate that. And yeah, I, I, was, I was a bit kind of taken aback when you'd asked me to come on it. And obviously, looking back at my very, very short um, time at Wolves, which... I'm saying short, but it was actually a brilliant time. I really enjoyed my time down at Wolverhampton. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit embarrassed to be asked, but very honoured, all the same, to be asked um, for such a, a massive club. Uh, well, no problem. Now, what we always do with the podcast, Stephen, we always start right right at the very beginning. And I believe you was um, at, at Aberdeen from 1986 to 1995. You made your debut in 1990 for the first team. So how was you spotted by Aberdeen and how did you come to make your debut? I was spotted as a schoolboy. So back in the day you would just play with your local boys club. Um and my local team was I was from Hamilton, just outside of Glasgow. Um so I used to play with a boys club and then the Aberdeen Scouts would come and watch. Um and they'd ask me to come and train with Aberdeen, which I did. I was only thirteen years old, fourteen years old. Um so so I would train with Aberdeen, and, and that would be once a month. And believe it or not, Alex Ferguson and um, his assistant Archie Knox were managers at the time. Okay. And they would, they would actually come down to Glasgow once a month, and they would train all the boys from the west of Scotland um, one night, and then we would go back and play with our local teams for another month, and then we would come back in again into Glasgow. So that was once, once a month, and I'm very lucky to be to be coached actually believe it or not from, from Alex Ferguson absolutely he was obviously manager at the time and come down and take the kids who were 13, 14, 15 years old and then any any holidays that we had Easter holidays or summer holidays we would go up for the week and we would train for Aberdeen uh, train with them for a week play games train meet the first team players meet obviously the manager and then at the end of the week before we would leave to come back home again, Alex Ferguson would take us into his office and he would have a wee chat with us and ask us how we got on. Um, and he would say to us that if you ever want to come to a game down in Glasgow or Celtic or Rangers, just, just let the chief scout know and I'll, I'll leave you a couple of tickets for you and your dad. So so that's what happened. And then, you know, Rangers and Celtic were playing Aberdeen and, and then 
you know, I would contact the chief scout and my dad would, and Alex Ferguson would actually come out onto the onto the, the, the doors at two o'clock on, on a Saturday, either at Parkhead or at Ibrox, and they would have two tickets for myself and my dad to go and watch the game. So, Brilliant. You know, back, back in the day, you, you know, you kind of, you didn't really know any difference because you're yes. 13 years old or 14 years old, but it's not until later on in through the years that you know that's how we ran the club at Aberdeen and that's how we that's how we ran the club at Manchester United as well and he dealt with the young players at Man United exactly the same way so so very lucky to be brought up at a club that was that was kind of built from Alex Ferguson and then yes. obviously he left I was lucky enough to go full time and, and, and serve my apprenticeship at Aberdeen as a young player and he had gone he'd obviously left by then um, and then obviously the new management team had come in so so yeah, I just kind of grew up at Aberdeen and then, you know, a few years of apprenticeship and then lucky enough to make my debut when I was 18 and and kind of stayed in the first team ever since I then, I then left the Rangers. I mean, when you first met Sir Alex and, and, and effectively worked with him and could you could you see then the, the type of manager or the type of career that, that he would have gone on to have? Um. As a young, I mean, I was only really as a kid, 13, 14, 15, when you would spend some time with him, you know, yes. when you were going up for a week. But you could tell that he had that kind of, that way with him. And, and you know, when you're, because the, the, the young kids at Aberdeen then, they would mix out alongside the first team players that, you know, it wasn't a training ground as such, and it was just actually Pataudry Stadium. So you were in and out of the changing rooms. You were doing jobs, actually, at that young age as well. You were, you know, helping out, getting lunch and... And Alex Ferguson just knew absolutely everybody at the club, yeah. albeit, albeit it's not the size of club of Man, Man United, but, um, you know, he treated everybody the same, whether it was the young schoolboys at 13 or whether it was his senior players, um, anybody that worked at the club. And you could just tell, he just, but, but it's not it's not until looking later on, Jason, you know, like after after you've seen his career and seen him yes. at Man United, you then, you then look back and say, yeah, I can understand that because that's what he was like at, at Aberdeen, you know. And and who did you support growing up, Stephen? Well, I was a Rangers fan growing up, Jason. Okay. Um, so I used to go to Ibrooks with my dad when I was really young. Um, and obviously, you know, when you then go to Aberdeen, I kind of I kind of kept a hush hush because there's a big rivalry between Aberdeen and Rangers. Okay. Um, but being, coming from the west of Scotland. You know, you either you either supported Rangers or Celtic, really. Um, back in those days when I was growing up, so so yeah. Then when I went when I signed for Aberdeen, then you kind of don't really bother about it anymore. You know, yeah. you then you then you then go and play, and I suppose it's like it's like any professional footballer. You know, it doesn't matter who you say who you who you support as a boy. When you go and play for a team, you actually just give them your absolute all, regardless of who it is. Um, so then go to Aberdeen and then, you know, Aberdeen was in my team. My dad, my mum and dad and my sister would then come and watch me. Um, even though my dad used to go to Rangers, as, you know, myself as a kid, you then you then support Aberdeen. So yes. uh, that kind of changed. It kind of changed as you move on. And then you was at Aberdeen for five years from 1990 to 95 in the first team. Then a huge, and obviously I didn't realise this before, but a huge £1.5 million move to your boyhood team, Rangers, I mean, for you as as still a young man, Stephen, that was a, was a huge move. It's big money at the time, but to to get to sign for for for, for Rangers for you must have been absolutely huge. It was massive. It was massive, and 
We actually weren't going through a good time at Aberdeen at the time. We were actually in a relegation battle that year, the final year that before I went to Rangers. So I kind of knew that Rangers were looking at me and Walter Smith had been watching me. And, and believe it or not, I, I, there was some interest from Kevin Keegan at, um, at Newcastle. And okay. Kenny and Douglas at Blackburn as well. Um, and but we, we kind of knew I knew the agent who was who was speaking to my dad and saying that you know Rangers are keen on us. And but because we were so kind of involved in a relegation battle with Aberdeen, it was actually quite a poor season they were having that year. Yeah. Um, it was between ourselves and Dundee United, um, who were who were at the bottom two actually the league. So, um, so I didn't really kind of think too much of it, and then we ended up um, in, a, in a kind of relegation playoff against Dunfermline to stay into the league. And at the same time, I was due to get married as well in that summer, so I had a lot going on getting married, and then obviously trying to stave off relegation which we managed to do we managed to stay in the league and Dundee United got relegated that year um, and then right to the end of the season obviously the agent had said that you know I was coming to end of my, my contract at Aberdeen and, and would I go to Rangers and and to be honest as a as a young young person growing up and supporting Rangers and the opportunity to go there after such a poor season at Aberdeen and you know Rangers were in the Champions League qualifiers as well yeah. so and they'd won all, they'd, I think they'd already won seven titles in a row. So it was a kind of no-brainer, really, to, to take that opportunity to go to Rangers. And that was, that was fantastic for myself and my family. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not only for the football and it being a huge club, obviously, your boyhood club as well. But doing my research, um, looking at the dates, and I think you probably know what I'm going to say, Stephen. You was at the club pretty much exactly for the same period in the same time as a certain Paul Gascoigne. I mean, what was Gazza like to have around at Rangers at the time? Yeah, yeah, that was a crazy time. Um, <laughs> so I actually signed on the Friday and then Gaza signed on the Monday. So um, Completely so stealing I, your thunder, Stephen. <laughs> absolutely stealing my thunder and I was okay with that. I was okay with that. This yeah. He was coming in from this inter England International, coming in from Lazio. It was an absolute cavalcade, an absolute, you know, it was like a rock star coming in yes. on Monday. So I, I kind of came under the radar, which I was quite happy with. Um, but listen, I'm sure you, I'm sure you could understand. There was never a dull moment when, when Gascoigne was involved. <laughs> Absolutely, there was a really good changing room as well. You know, I had a lot of big characters in the changing room that, um, you know, McCoists this world and Richard Goff, Sandy Gorham, yes. Stuart McCall's, lots of household names that I was a young player at Aberdeen coming into this massive changing room with these characters, leaked, you know, winning leagues and then Champions League and, um, and you know, it's not now until I look back and think how lucky I was to actually share the changing room with these guys and then and playing played some some games, lucky enough to play some high-profile games in the Champions League, some old firm games as well, um, and to have actually shared the pitch with Gascoigne and, and, and Brian Loudrup, you know, I'm, I'm always yes, a, course. Players that, the best players that I played with. They, these two were at a different level to any players that I played with, uh, Gaza and Brian Loudrup. Um, so, so yeah, the really good times with Gaza, and I actually left, I left Rangers just within days as well with Paul Gascoigne, so, 
you know, whenever whenever Gaz has mentioned or anything that happens at Rangers, I always say to say to people, well, I was actually there at the same time as Gaz. I'm still a bit of a claim to fame. Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was more or less, you know, you you joined the club and, and left the club pretty much, you know, within within days apart. Now, listen, I'm a massive Wolves fan, Stephen, so I've been to the Wolves West Brom derby on many occasion, and to me, it's one of the most, you know, best occasions you can you can have as a Wolves fan, and and you know, it's a massive derby. But what's it like to play in an old firm derby? Because I've seen them on telly, Rangers and Celtic. That must be a real, real huge occasion. Yeah, it was. And I, I played in two, actually, at Celtic Park as well. And they were, both of them were in a space of 10 days. One was in the League Cup and one was in the League. Um, the first one was in the League. And it was a game, actually, Gaza Gaz scored. Um, and it was just when Celtic were getting a new stand put in, in behind their goals. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of, you know, obviously it didn't look as, as kind of big and um, as what it is at this moment in time. But all we can remember is in the, in the second half of that game was the, the, the stadium was half empty because all the Celtic fans had left. We were two nothing up at the point at that point. Okay. And that was actually a good view to see that you know a lot of Celtic fans had left, which meant you, you know you were in the lead and you were doing well because it's never a good, never an easy place to go. Um, so that was the first game, two 0 and then ten days later we played them in the in the League Cup, and again we we managed to win one 0 Alan McCoy scored a header at the back post. I think it was a cross from Gaza actually. Yes. Um, so a hundred percent record over two two games over ten days. So hey, that's it. I'm actually quite happy with that, yeah. You can't mind that. And was was one of those games, we don't have to talk too much about, but was one of those games when Gazza did his infamous celebration, which obviously sparked off a lot of controversy? No, he didn't. He didn't, no. He didn't do that. I think that was, I think that was a game that he was a sub, actually. And he was oh, was he? Up. <laughs> got yeah, got yeah, got yeah. So, the goals, and he was just in front of the fans. I think someone had asked him to do something, and Gaza yes, and Gaza stupidly did it without knowing any repercussions. Absolutely, uh, I think I think he was quite ill informed. Now you you got I mean I believe it was a Champions League game. I might be wrong against Juventus where you injured your ACL. Um, yeah, I mean, how did that happen, Stephen? And what was the impact of that on, on your career? Yeah, that was probably a big turning point, I would say. Um, so I'd played in the two qualifiers against Famagusta. We managed to scrape through. I think we think we won one nil at Ibrox, and then we drew nothing each in Cyprus. We managed to sneak through in the group stages. So that was massive to get in the group stages. Um, and then it was a group of Steaua Bucharest, Borussia Dortmund, and, and Juventus. So I played. I played in both qualifiers. I then played. Away to Stour Bucharest and we lost, which was quite a tough game actually if I remember right. Um, and then I played at home against Borussia Dortmund, which probably was probably I would say was my best game for Rangers um, in the time that I was there, which I really enjoyed. We drew two each that night. Um, I then played in the first leg against Juventus away, over in the it was the Stadio del Alpe, which was the old Juventus stadium. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was just, that was just an incredible <laughs> night, really. You couldn't see the fans because they were, you know, the old Juventus Stadium was kind of set back and there was a track around the stadium, uh, around the pitch. Um, there was fog, there was steam, there was everything, smoke, there was everything. You couldn't see anything, but the, the atmosphere was incredible. And we lost that game 4-1. I get substituted at half-time. Um, 
but that was absolute men against boys. That was they, they, that was the best team. They won the Champions League that year, Juventus. And you know, if, if anybody always asks me again, it's another claim to fame of who's the best players you played against. I would just reel off that Juventus team with, <laughs> Rav, Rav, you know, Ravinelli, Del Piero, Viale, Deschamps, Conte, Flipping you know, all his players. Um, so that was that was men against boys that night. Lost four one, and then the the return leg, which was a, a week later, it was in, it was the night that I got injured. Um, and I remember, I remember doing some shape on the on the pitch, the, on the day before the game at Ibrox, and I think looking back, the manager, Walter, had asked me to keep my eye on Del Piero and and you know try and kind of go where Del Piero goes and try and stop him. Oh, I bet he did. I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember just thinking, standing in the middle of the pitch on that day of doing some shape with day in the stadium, thinking. I can't believe this. I'm playing against Juventus tomorrow night. I'm looking after trying to look after Del Piero. <laughs> so, um, so I think 20 minutes into the game, I just turned. I tried to turn, and my studs get caught in the turf, and my my my, my, my body twisted, and I, I just heard something go in my knee. And that was my oh. that was my ACL. So that was my kind of um, you know career. Pretty much, I'd say my pick my career at Rangers, even though that was only three months into my three-year contract um, so so yeah that was in November I think it was October maybe October November that game and then that was me for the for the remainder of the season and then I managed to get back do a pre-season again and then unfortunately snapped again this year oh. snapped again so that was me out again for another probably nine months so really from the first two years was, was nothing really I could really get back and then my final season was the season that um, I managed to get back fit again playing reserve football and um, the odd sub-appearance uh, but that, and then obviously towards the, the tail end of that season I, I came to Wolves after that Well that's it so we, we, we moved from Rangers it was the biggest move of all uh, a loan spell at the Wolves 1998 three games on loan you signed on the 20th of March and you was at the club till the 31st of May Um for you, uh, Stephen, w- 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 how did you come to hear about the move and was there any chance that it was possibly going to become permanent or did you want it to become permanent? Yeah, well, it kind of came out of the blue. I think it was just playing reserve football um, and Walter Smith pulled me in to say that um, Mark McGee had been on the phone that was looking for a right-back because I think Kevin Muscat was maybe injured. Oh, Ben. They had... <laughs> They had yeah, they had the the semi final against Arsenal coming up again at Villa Park. Yes, and they were looking for you know some cover at right back. But they're interesting went down to 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 Wolverhampton for three months on loan with a view to playing in the FA Cup semi final at Villa Park. That was obviously the carrot as well. Yeah, I bet it was. Um, and obviously going to a club like like Wolves was incredible because my my Rangers career was just kind of petering out and yeah. I'd struggled to get back. I knew I was never going to get back in at Rangers. I knew I wasn't. I wasn't at that level with the players that they were signing. So then, yeah. So then, that was a kind of world stop. It was kind of quick, and then down to Wolverhampton. I remember Mark McGee um, speaking to Mark McGee, and he, he picked me up at the, the station, and I, and I stayed. I stayed in his house for a couple of nights um, until we moved into the the hotel, which. I think it was called Patsel Park. Oh yeah, Patsel Park. Yeah, yeah. 
big golf course there? Yeah, yeah. Myself and my wife came down. We stayed in there. Um, and then it was just, it was great. Just into the changing room. And I mean, some of the, some of the players. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, looking back in my time, you know, I then look back nowadays and I say to my son, you know, I was this year the changing room with Robbie Keane. And you look at <laughs> Robbie Keane's, you know, career after that. Yeah. Some of these top players at Wolverhampton, I couldn't believe it. So in the changing room and um, coming down, Mark McGee and Colin Lee, I think it was assistant yes. Colin Lee was. Um, I love my time. I love my time training there. I love my time in the changing room with the players. And Don Goodwin was. He used to pick me up in the mornings from Patsel Parks. So oh yeah, because he actually lived up the road in Pattingham, yeah. Yeah, and he would pick me up and take me to training, and actually I had a great connection with some of the players. Um, loved loved my time down at Wilkes, and so yeah, so I come down, played a few games. Um, and I did. I remember the game against. Um, do you know what? I don't have a great memory for games, Jason. I've, I've games. got them. I've actually... Sometimes I need to look back. I yeah. remember them now because I've, I've had to look at <laughs> oh, Okay. Um, the game against Portsmouth, which yes. I, I did quite well, actually. Um, we won. 1 2 0. 1 2 0. We played away to Ipswich. Which yes. Was a bit of a tough one. Yes. A tough one. I think we lost 2 or 3 0. Yeah, 3 3 0. 3 0. And then, um, and then against Man City, which. Yes. Again, again, looking back, I can't believe they were in that. They were they'd been relegated. They were in that league at that time as well. Um, so yeah, my three games, and then it, I, I just remember. I remember the lead up to the, the FA Cup game. Um, I think Kevin Musket obviously got back fit again, um, and Matt McGee didn't really he didn't really see anything to me, and I was just left out completely. I was not even the sub. I was in the stand watching it. Yeah, I, I mean. Um, just to interject, Stephen, very quickly on that point. I mean, listen, your Wolves career, won one, drew one, lost one. <laughs> so, you know, a bit of a mixed bag. But the semi-final, I mean, you can be forgiven for, for thinking it was a strange team collect, uh, selection because on the bench that day, as well as you know, was, was Steve Ball and, and Robbie Keane. So he'd opted for, I think it was Robbie Slater and Steve Claridge. It was a very, very strange uh, team that, that he'd picked. And... Quite rightly, I did check the record books and, and you wasn't even in the squad. So for you, especially when Muscat's come back from injury, there's a chance he could break down again. You must have thought he was going to be on the bench. Yeah, well, t- to be honest, I, you know, I was never one of these players that would go and chat the door and say, what's going on? And and I probably would have every right to, to, to speak to Matt McGee because of, you know, I was obviously kind of sold in the premise of going down to Wales and with a view of playing in the, in the, in the semi-final. But... Listen, I maybe wasn't good enough. I maybe the, the three games that he watched, maybe I just wasn't at a level to play against Arsenal again. Again, you're talking about playing against the top top team, Arsenal at that yeah. time. Um, you know, I can remember the first game, obviously the the, the Ipswich game. You know, that was a tough game, and then the Portsmouth game, um, which I thought I did quite much of the Portsmouth with the first game and the second game, um, and I thought I did quite well in the Portsmouth game. And then the Man City, I've actually, I actually don't have a great recollection of, of the Man City game at all. I think we drew, as you say. Yeah, 2-2 two, two at, uh, two, two at Molyneux. Yeah, so, so listen, when it came with the team selection, I, listen, I was disappointed. Is any players disappointed not to be involved? But 
Um, it's just one of these things. Well, it's just one of these things. The, was... the strange thing is, I mean, I'm just looking at the date. So it was uh, the Ipswich game was 21st of March. The Wolves Portsmouth game was the 29th. Slotted in between your final game against Man City, which was on the 11th of April, was the semi final on the 5th of April. So I could even understand if the semi-final came after the Man City game, but it was almost like you was dropped, omitted completely from the squad and then and then put straight back in. Yeah, no, that's it. I didn't realise that. I didn't realise that. There was no... I can't even remember if Mark spoke to me for a reason why he didn't put me in against, um, against Arsenal. Um, yeah, there's, there's no hard feelings at all, but funnily, a funny story, Jason, is that... Um, Last year, last year we, we got a new manager at Dundee, where I'm working now, is, is, is head of academy. Yes. We got a new manager at the club, and who walks in but Mark McGee? <laughs> so I remember he'd, um, I was actually staying in a hotel in Dundee the night that he got, they, they, they kind of came in through the back door, and he was, he was kind of, I don't think it was announced he was Dundee manager at this point. So I actually, I came face to face with him in the hotel, and he had no idea who I was, I introduced myself, so the night, blah, blah. Um, and even in his time at Dundee, he was brilliant. He was a lovely guy. Him and his assistant. Um, but, but there was no mention of my time at Wolves. And I, 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 I was telling my colleagues, and I was telling the story about Wolves. I stayed in his house for a few nights. <laughs> he was, he was my manager. Yeah. He, he never played me. Um, and then I've met him, and I've gone out. I mean, he was Dundee manager. I've gone out for lunch with him. Gone out for dinner with him. Had had a good time, you know, socially. Not once has he remembered that I was a player I mean, under his care, and I never even brought it up either. I mean, Stephen, that, that's 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 remarkable. Do you think that because I was going to ask about your relationship with Mark at the time at the club because there was a lot of players who, I mean, Mark's one I desperately want on the podcast. We've had Colin Lee on, but a lot of players from that era didn't get on with Mark McGee. Um, you know, Steve Ball, Don Goodman, and they won't mind me saying this because they've openly said it on the podcast. So, do you think he? He genuinely couldn't remember who you was, or he was that aloof that he didn't feel the need to even mention it. No, I don't think he's aloof at all. I think he's a good guy. I just think he just didn't remember the, <laughs> the, the, the amount of the amount of clubs that he's managed, the amount of players. That he's <laughs> well, managed. there is that. You know, and I was only there for I probably wasn't even three months. I only played three games. Um, although I did train quite a bit with him as well. Um, but I just found it quite funny, to be honest. That he's and I and I probably should have maybe said something and, and you know in jest about it. But I, I I just waited to see if he actually would say, "Oh, do you know what? I actually remember you at Wolves, but he never he never." But no, listen, a good guy. Nothing. I, I don't oh, have anything bad bad to say about. Of him. course, of course. I mean. Picks. The, the, the problem could have been, Stephen, if you if you introduced yourself and said you played for him at Wolves and then he responds, yeah, I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I yeah. Done that. I'll probably see him again. I'll maybe just say, maybe say I, all, these ty- all these times I've met you, you're still not mentioned that, that, that the two nights that I stayed in your house when you picked me up. Flipping <laughs> heck. That's amazing. I mean, for you, I, yes, it was a very short time. Was there any chance of it becoming... Per- because I'm going to talk about your career in England shortly, but was there a chance of it becoming permanent? Um, and a, a double double sidey question, really. Um, what was the, 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 the differences between playing in the Scottish Premier and then playing in the Championship? Because a lot of people can ignorantly say that the Championship's a better league, etc., etc. What's your views on that? Um... 
It's a difficult one, really. I mean, I was... I don't think there was any mention of me staying down permanently because because I didn't really... I didn't play as as, as many games as, as I was hoping, but obviously yes. I, well, I probably wasn't I probably wasn't good enough to play and get a contract, which again is is, is fair enough. I, I you know I had a few chats with Mark and and Mark did say to me that he says it's better if you stay down in England for your career rather than going back to Scotland. Um, you know, pretty much gave me some advice in terms of staying in England, but there was never any mention of him to say you know we're going to try and get you something at Wolves, which listen, which was fine. These, these things happened. Yes. Um, in terms of the standard, I mean, going to Rangers was, was tough for me because, you know, when you, when you play for Rangers, you play for Celtic, every game is a cup final. You know, you've got 50,000 fans at home. Um, everyone raises a game to come and play in the old firm games. Yes. Um, even when you play away from home. So that's, it's always tough and you always have to be able to raise your game. And when I played for Aberdeen, you know, you could have you could have a few a few bad games, and and again, the fans wouldn't, wouldn't be happy. But the, to the to the extent of Rangers and Celtic, it's, a, it's very much a goldfish bowl when you're in when you're playing in Glasgow. Um, so to come to to come to England for me was it was just a freshness. Yes. New stadiums, new fans, new players you're playing with, new players you're playing against, um, and in terms of the standard, um, it would. Again, it's difficult for me to remember what it was like. Especially uh, as you played against Del Piero. <laughs> well, well that, that, again, that was... Yeah, I know it was in Europe, but yeah. My injury, and before my injury as well. Yes. Because um, after that, I went to, you know, just kind of fast-forwarding a few months after after like, coming back up the road from Wolves. Um, I was out of contract and I didn't have a club. I was, I was, you know, sitting in the house during the summer with nothing. Um and luckily, Stuart McCall had just left yes. Rangers two and gone to Bradford City. And Paul Paul Jewell was manager, and Stuart said to Paul Jewell, "You know, have a look at Stephen Wright." Um, and I went down and I actually went on trial with Bradford uh, for a few weeks. Did well, and then Paul Jewell signed a two-year contract. So I kind of ended up staying in England, um, albeit with a bit of help from Stuart McCall, and and then going down and doing well at Bradford in a trial period. So. And I would probably say my time at Bradford, which again, I'll probably um, there's a link again to Wolverhampton on that. So yes, I'm going to come to that actually. Quiz question for all the Wolves fans yeah. listening. So Stephen, if you can, uh, if you can reveal the answer, what was your very, very last appearance for Bradford? And my last appearance for Bradford was yes, at Molyneux. Yeah, that would that would that be one. Yeah, so that was the. I mean, it was a brilliant season we had at Bradford. I loved my time. That's probably the best time on the pitch I had my whole career was was, was in England for Bradford, um, which culminated in the in the final day of the season at Molyneux, where we yeah. had to win to um, to get automatic promotion to the Premiership. Um, and I just remember, again, as I said to you before, I don't have a great memory of games, but I do remember. The atmosphere was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. I remember all the all the the wives and all the girlfriends and all the families were in the were in the stand watching that day, and it was a it was a nerve wracking day because there was lots going on as well. I think Ipswich were, were in third place, and they um, they ended up going to the playoffs. I think, whereas we managed to sneak automatic by winning. I think it was four two we won on that day. Uh, uh, it, uh, well, uh, it, I've got wrote down here. I might be wrong. I've got three two, but one my my abiding memory of of that game, but it actually wasn't the game. It was afterwards. Uh, Stuart McCall 
uh, your your good friend got that drunk, didn't he? For he fell over a car or something or out the couch. It did, it did, and I was back at Valley Parade, so if you can imagine. Yes, that's right, yeah. Getting, get, from getting promotion at the final whistle at Molyneux, so, you know, champagne and beer in the changing room. Yeah. So by the time you get, by the time you drive from Molyneux to Valley Parade in Yorkshire, and then into the car park at Valley Parade, and I was actually standing behind Stuart when this happened, so the fans are all singing Stuart's name because the fans were all kind of elevated around the car park at Valley Parade they're all looking over the walls and Stuart is absolutely you know steaming drunk and he's he stepped on top of a car and his foot got caught in a window wiper brilliant he's still holding his his bottle of Budweiser and he's just fallen right off he landed on his back and I'm actually if you see some of the camera shots I'm actually just at his back and I came in and I actually panicked because I thought he's giving himself a real sore one here oh. but because he was so drunk he's probably so relaxed he's just bounced back up again still holding his bottle of bud not even a drip out of it yeah. and he's still and he's dancing away again to the Bradford fans and he's going to live this he's going to live this down for the rest of his life oh. well so he, he did he did give you at least your career one you know one great moment at Molyneux now going back to Molyneux there was Two players that you played with, fellow countrymen, uh, very proud and Scottish like your good self, Dougie Friedman, and mm-hmm. the, the clock rewinds, Darren Ferguson, son of Alex. Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, Darren played in a few Scotland number 21 games with Darren. You know, go back even further than that as well. So I knew Darren, I knew Darren, I knew he had a good career at Man United and at Wolverhampton as well, yeah. And I, and I you know, thinking back at some of the players, I mean, because I think a few players come in alone. I came in, I think Steve Claridge came in alone. Yes, sure. yeah, Diggie that's Friedman. right. Did you put Dougie Friedman, Dougie Friedman not come in alone as well? Uh, who, sorry? Dougie, did Dougie Friedman not come in alone too? I think he did. I think that was made permanent. Do you know what? You put me on. So I, I think that could have been made permanent. I know the one, I know Steve Claridge, I think we was his 58th club <laughs> at the time. <laughs> he was. Yeah. He, David, he, Con- David Conley, I think he came in on loan at the same round about that. Yes. Well, well, we're actually interviewing David Connolly next week. Yes, David Connolly, the, the goal machine himself. Um, That's right. Yeah, there was there was quite a few players on loan at the time, but did did you obviously speak to Darren about the relationship that you'd had with his dad? No, I didn't. I've never had a chance to speak to Darren about that. No, um, again, it's you know, it's not until you stop playing and you look back in your career and you're yeah. telling people you're telling people you know stories about what Alex Ferguson like, what Aberdeen was like, you know, telling my son and stuff. It's it's quite amazing. It's, and you're actually proud of the fact that. You know, Alex Ferguson was manager when I signed for Aberdeen and, you know, he spent some time and I remember he sent a letter to, he sent an actual handwritten letter to my dad when he, when he when he moved to Manchester United, just saying that it was too good an opportunity to turn down and just to wish young Stephen all the best and I'll be following his career. I mean, things like that, it's just incredible. Oh, absolutely. You know? I'm, I'm, just, um, I'm just glad that Sir Alex remembers you and Mark McGee flipping didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, that's so funny, isn't it? Oh, so, a- absolutely. Now, you talk about this career, Stephen. I mean, there the can be no greater honour than representing your country. 15 caps for the Scottish under-21 side between 91 and 93. The B team as well. There was two appearances and a goal uh, between yeah. 94 and 95. And in 1993, two appearances for the full national team, 24th of March against Germany and 19th of May 
in a 3-0 win against Estonia. I mean, how, as a, as a proud Scottish person, you know, you, you've got the accent, um, how <laughs> how much of it is an honour to, to play for your country? I think it's the biggest thing for any young player coming through to, to represent their country at any level. Yes. Um, you know, lucky enough to be involved with the under-21s and captain under-21s and and then obviously make that kind of breakthrough into the national team as well. And, and I was actually I was actually in the squad for Euro 92, I remember. Andy Roxburgh was manager. And, but during that season at Aberdeen, I'd, I'd fallen and, and broken my wrist. So the whole season I had played with a kind of bandage on my wrist. Um, and I remember again to the end of the season and Willie Miller, who was manager at Aberdeen at the time, wanted me to go and get an operation on my wrist. Um, and at that time I had just been, uh, I'd, I'd been selected for the, the squad to go to the Euros in Scotland. And as a young player, as you do, you think, ah, okay, no problem, I'll just go and get my operation and I'll just be excluded from the squad. But it's not, again, till looking back and think, I can't believe I was... You know, I had to go and get an operation and I played the whole yeah. season with a broken wrist. I could have gone to Sweden, Euro 92, looking back and, and these players. But again, as a young player, you just got on with things and um, and then I managed to then play for Scotland after the first game was against Germany. Yes. Alex, which actually was a game where it was actually no English-based Scottish internationals that night. So you're... Gary McAllister's, your Pat Nevins, Kevin Gallagher's, these guys that, that played in England didn't play that night. It was all okay. space players. So I remember that was that was a, a an incredibly bright um, strip that went that night. It was a pink, the salmon pink. Yes, yes. Strip that Scotland all that night. So that was the night again playing against the world champions, Germany. Of course, yes, years. yeah, of course, because they win it in nineteen ninety, of course. Yeah, with the top players like Matthias and Riedler and Muller and all these guys, Thomas Dahl. Um, and it was a night that I think probably cemented Duncan Ferguson's move to Rangers as well from the yeah. United because he he was really good that night against the, the two big German centre-backs. So, so yeah, good memories of that night at Ibrox. Um, and then I played in a Euro qualifier away to Estonia. Yes. Where we won 3-1, I think it was. Um, again, Fitch, you know, I think I actually, I think I made my first game for Scotland in the same day as Colin Hendry did for Scotland. Okay. He obviously, he obviously went on to, to to be one of the all-time legends for Scotland and yes. over fifty caps. Where I was, I just did the two caps. So again, proud to have played in the same pitch as some of these guys. And you know, growing up as a young player, my my kind of my goal or my kind of you know thing that I was just aspiring to do was to play in the same pitch as Alan McCoy and Paul McStay two legends of the game one for Rangers one for Scotland yes. eh, one for Celtic and I was lucky enough to be able to do that for Scotland oh. as well so um, so yeah looking it, back again and lucky, lucky to, to, to be played for my country and to play with so many great players you know oh amazing memories and I take it you've still got your two Scottish caps they hung up on the wall and you've You've put the uh, you've put the wedding pictures down, and the caps are still there for everyone to see. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get a cap for this for the Germany game because at that time they weren't giving out caps for friendlies. Oh. so I've only got actually one cap, which is the Estonia game, which is pride of place and I'm in any mom and dad's house. So that's oh. still there at the moment. So absolutely so yeah, brilliant. Now, when I was reading out your stats, Stephen, to you, I did hear you chuckle when I said for the B team. 
two appearances, one goal, which, listen, that's a 50% ratio. But looking at your career, um, listen, we all know what fullbacks are like now. Wingbacks getting forward, putting crosses in, you know, getting at the back post, scoring. Three goals in your entire career, Stephen. Now, is that because you didn't want to shoot? You didn't, you didn't, you know, you didn't go too far forward? Um, Why well, was only three goals? Yeah, listen, I was, I think... You know the old joke is you get a nosebleed. Defenders get a nosebleed. <laughs> get over the halfway line. Yeah, that was probably that was probably like that. I was never I was never one that was comfortable through in goal. Um, I was probably better at you know wide areas, crosses, cutbacks, um, passes forward, that kind of thing, and you know assisting rather than scoring. Um, but yeah, and probably looking back as well was um, I like to get forward. Um, at my peak, I was probably at a good pace, so I relied on my pace quite a lot to get past yes. players. I didn't, I didn't have a trick or anything like that. I was, you know, fairly steady, and I enjoyed defending one v ones. Which again, sometimes with a modern day fullback, is more about getting forward than it is defending at times. Absolutely. So, so probably, probably not getting as forward as. as the guys nowadays, um, we were kind of fairly rigid four four two. Most teams that we played for and teams that we played against were all pretty much four four two. Now there was never any, and I speak about this nowadays to to, to other other people is that you know you never really had any managers changing formation to try and win a game or to to to, to not to lose a game with formations. It was mainly yeah. just ma- matching up and. If you had the better players on a day or had a bit of luck, you more often than not you'd win the game, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's completely changed now and you you know, your testament to that in as much as you're still involved in football now at Dundee as head of academy. I mean, football has changed massively in terms of you, you talk rightly about formations. It used to be a you know a four four two, or if a manager was feeling adventurous, it was a four three three. Now it's a three five two. It's a, you know you, you, you've seen it wing backs and so for you still involved at Dundee. Have you always been involved in football, Stephen? Since you you finished playing? Yeah. So again, lucky to have just gone straight into the sort of coaching side of things, but. After I left Bradford, I came back to Dundee United yes. um, for a couple of years and um, I kind of just was picking up a lot of injuries and, and retired when I was 31, which is quite young. Um, and a manager, one of my the best managers I worked under, Alex Smith, who was my manager at Aberdeen, had always said to me to you know go and do some coaching courses whilst you're still playing. Um, so I did that. I managed to get my A licence and, and my UEFA my youth licence. Did that and then um, when I stopped playing, I kind of then went 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 to Rangers as a community coach. Yeah, taking really really young community kids, which was probably the best thing I did because they get you to go and make mistakes and learn the game with young kids. Yes, because um, I would probably have struggled to have gone from playing straight into a dressing room of you know coaching senior players. I I, I wouldn't have enjoyed that at all. Um, so, so yeah, and at Rangers, and then I worked my way into the academy at Rangers, and then Jim McIntyre, an old tight teammate of mine at Dundee United, got the manager's job at Dun- Dunfermline. He then asked me to come and be his first team coach, which I did for a, a year and a half, um, a good time there, and then they were looking for an academy manager at Dunfermline, and they asked me if I would do that. So, and that was about in 2011, 2012. 
So, so then I went to be the academy manager, and, and ever since then I've pretty much been involved in academies. And and I had a one one and a half years taste of senior football, and it really wasn't for me. I prefer actually working with younger players and trying to help them and and get get you know get them to me try and make a career in them. I mean that that's fair enough, Stephen. I mean you've been very honest throughout the interview, and and that's quite interesting really because most players they do crave obviously the adulation they got as a player whether it be the crowds etc and they do want to be as close to the first team as they possibly can but for yourself it's more about the education side and, and bringing players through yeah yeah that, that's for me and I, I, I don't you know i don't crave first team at all and um, i actually prefer going and watching young players and seeing them develop and you know i get satisfaction by seeing young players progress through the charts through the levels and, and, and try and get into first teams that's that's where i enjoy that's what i enjoy most oh and well they get more more satisfaction out of that as well and um yeah that's probably just probably just where i'm at where i've had the most enjoyment really um and and the, and the players that i've worked with you know that have some have been lucky enough to go on their careers, some have not. But actually meeting mums and dads, meeting boys that you've actually helped along the way, whether yes. they've got a career in the game or whether they don't have a career in the game. For me, that's the most important thing is building good relationships and just, you know, trying to just produce good people, first and foremost, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And if, if Stephen, a final question, if you could look back on this career, which, you know, Aberdeen Rangers, being a Scotland international um, playing in two countries for some great managers, etc., etc. Um, what what highlight of that do you look back on, and it always puts a smile on your face? Um, I think probably just being in being in changing rooms and and just the just the teammates that you, you had through the time, and and you know you can meet. I could go, probably go and meet some some players that, that I've not seen for twenty thirty years. And you would have a laugh, and you would have yeah. a joke, and you would speak about things that happened back in the day. Unless it was Mark uh, McGee. Unless it was Mark <laughs> McGee, yeah, I probably wouldn't say that. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't matter. Any club, whether it was Scotland on the 21s or any club at all, even my, even my really short spell at Wolverhampton. Yes. Just meeting people, about talking about, I mean, talking about things like this. It's, I really quite enjoy that. And probably that over... I, mean, I, I didn't win many many things as a, in my career when I was at Rangers when they won eight in a row and a nine in a row but I didn't play enough games to get a medal oh. um, I lost two cup finals at Aberdeen I didn't, I didn't get a winner's medal um, and the, as I said the best time in my, in probably on the pitch was at Bradford when we got automatic promotion to the Premiership so I had a really good time in England um, my kids my kids were born in England. Oh, okay. Um, and I've got an affiliation to, to Bradford because it was, you know, it was a great club. It kind of, after my time at Rangers, when I was injured, it kind of got me back on my feet again. Um, obviously, the Wolves gave me a taster for that, for being in England and, and seeing the different stadiums and the different players and stuff. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time in England. And, and um, uh, actually, I've, I've got to put one final question in because I've actually just noticed this. So... For you, it it must have been an incredible frustration to not play in the Premier League for Bradford after helping them get promotion because that's effectively, you know, as a player, it's almost a holy grail to play in the top flight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get, yeah, that, that that was frustrating. Again, 
Similar to the Matt McGee's semi-final thing, these things happen. Yes. You know, we, I, we got promotion and that wasn't the only one. There was a few of us that, that, that did well that, that year up to, to, to get promotion. And I remember being on holiday in the summer and Bradford had just signed Gunnar Halla from Leeds fullback. Yeah. David Weatherall. They signed Deed Saunders. They'd signed lots, lots of players. And I'm thinking, mm, this is going to be tough for me next season. And again, looking back, being quite kind of, um, you know, being fair about it. Yes. Possibly I wasn't good enough to play in the Premiership. Otherwise, I, I would have I would have played. Um, so, again, I don't hold anything against Paul Jewell. I still had another year at Bradford where I was involved in the, in the squad and on the bench sometimes. Games I didn't even play, played in the reserves. But a frustration, yes. But looking back, again, I was just, you know, I'm still fairly, pretty lucky to have been involved in a good career, you know. Well, Stephen, you've been very, very honest today. So thank you for your honesty and not shirking any questions and, and you know, answering everything that I put to you. I sincerely hope next time you bump into Mark McGee that he recognises you and gives you the credit you deserve. And, <laughs> and thank you so much for coming on the Wolf Whistle and we appreciate your time at the club. Thank you for representing us and you're welcome back on the podcast anytime. No, that's brilliant. Thanks very much, Jason. Much appreciated. Thank you.